Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two of this lecture on social media and education and how we can potentially change how we do things. And I mentioned last time that so much of what we do in terms of imaging education is the way we've always done things. Now, we've gotten better at it, you know, whether it's the Noontime Conference or it's Multidisciplinary Conference or Grand Rounds or CME. And we do it better than ever, but the truth of the matter is it's very much the same techniques we've always used. And the question is, looking forward, are there better models compared to the traditional models that have been successful for so long? And I'm not saying let's do something differently just to do things differently, but at least should we think about perhaps can we do better? Is doing things differently important if the process has worked so well for so long? That's always the challenge. Um, but can we do better? So let me give you my own experience. Um, I've run CME courses at Hopkins. Many of you have been to them, and we hope you keep coming for 31 years. We've now done CTSS for 14 years. It's hard to believe. And we've done apps for the App Store for four years. We have a lot of experience in providing education, and we constantly look at doing it better. And the web, you can see, has provided new opportunities for us, whether through CTSS or apps. If you look at some of the numbers, it's impressive. People talk about giving a lecture in a room and speaking to 100 people or 200 people. Here's our typical week at CTSS. You know, we have 85,000 plus users and Google Analytics, that's the map. We're in 167 countries with a uh, bit less than 50% of our attendees from the US and Canada. It's the whole world basically lit up. And with Google Analytics, which is how we get our data, you really can quantify how successful you are. And so when we give a lecture like this lecture, or the stuff we put on CTSS, what's impressive to us and what really drives us is where people are coming from. Look at our top users. US, India, England, Canada, Brazil, Australia, China, Saudi Arabia, Italy, Germany. It's impressive where people are coming from. But the amount of people we can reach and touch on a daily basis. And I'm just not showing you the top 10. Let me show you, we look from A, the Allen Islands, I don't know what that is, and Albania to the bottom of our list, which is uh, Venezuela and Uzbekistan. So it's pretty good when you look at the A to Z and here's only 150. We could look at things from top cities worldwide and you can see the circles, which is probably no great surprise, a lot of them in the US and in Europe, but look at our good friends in Australia. And so when you look at the top ratings, you know, Baltimore, New York, okay, fine. London, Sydney, Riyadh, San Paulo, Athens, it's a range of people. And when you look at the top continents, obviously the Americas is number one, but Asia is number two. You can see really the spread of information. And we also can look and try to understand how we do things to do things better. Google Analytics allows us to look how people arrive at our site. Once they get in our site, where are they going? What are they looking at? What's their first, second, and third interactions? So we could design things to make things better. We want to provide the information so it's easy to reach, and that's something that's uniquely done on the web. And so when you look at our front page of CTSS this morning, you can see how it's changed even over the last few weeks by our connectivity now to our exhibits, to our courses, to our medical illustrations, and to our quiz of the day, making everything easier. And you look at our teaching files, just the sheer number of how we can present information, 188,000 plus. Now it's 189,000 plus. If you look at our most recent tally. 
And some of the sites have gotten 13 million looks at the images, like in vascular, which is number one. But we can provide so many images for you that you can look at and you can learn. Cardiac, 10 million views. We provide lectures, again, multimedia, the whole vodcast, what you're listening to now. Uh, we have over 700 or 800 of these. Every week we release one of them for many years now, for almost 13 years. And again, we do use Facebook and Twitter, and one of the most popular things, Frank suggests, that we put up cases. Now, we get typically two to 3,000 people every day or more who look at our case of the day. And it was a splenic artery aneurysm. All the information we have, whether it's on uh, you know, the website, CTSUS, or uh, looking at our connectivity with social media through Facebook, that's our Facebook page. Look at the countries, U.S., India, Brazil, Egypt, Canada, Puerto Rico, Saudi Arabia, are our top countries for Facebook. There's our demographics. Look at the top cities, Cairo, L.A., Houston, Riyadh. We have a lot of friends across the, the ocean, and it's impressive who looks at our stuff. And it's interesting to learn what your connectivity is, whether it's the country or it's the city. And we do the same thing with uh, the App Store. We have six apps uh, with the iPad, and CTSS Quiz is one of them. And again, talking about multimedia and social media, the ability to connect up on the hundreds of millions of iPads that are out there where people can choose a topic, look at a case, answer a question, choose the right or wrong answer, then listen to a discussion of the case. And whether it's lectures which eventually get placed into our CTSS lecture series, and you can see it here. And if I look at Pancras, you can see all of the talks. Some are newer, some are a bit older, but we're constantly updating this every six months. And now our latest thing is pearls. Different topics, whether it's spleen or splenules, things we can look at and learn information. So again, Really, the educational process, not that we need to throw anything away that we've done before, but look at the type of techniques that you could put together that really will drive information. Kind makes the point we live and learn, teach, and practice medicine in the digital age. Social networking sites are used by at least half of all adults, and that number is growing. Engagement can be personal, professional, or both. Use is often public. Now, it's important to remember it's a two-edged sword because you need to maintain professionalism. Again, it's a very um, much two-edged sword. Now, in this article by Kind, he talks about 12 tips uh, that, need to be, that can be looked at. But you can see, just look at the different tips. Identify what you're trying to do. What are your goals? Observe, think, then contribute make some initial connections, know and apply existing social media guidelines, develop principles, handling friend requests for trainees, use some common sense, don't do it. And again, as an educator, share credible information. Don't put up things that are pseudoscience and then pass them off as science. Engage, learn, reflect, and teach. And again, there are so many things you possibly can do. And let me show you some of the things that people have done. People have done things in research. People have used this as a way of mentoring or being mentored. Very, very interesting capabilities. So social media and patient care. Perhaps social media can be used to recruit patients with rare diseases for clinical trial or for follow-up. Interesting. 
This article by Shoemaker makes the point. They were looking at pediatric patients. They wanted to see the outcome in patients who have uh, Fontaine-associated protein-losing enteropathy and plastic bronchitis. Well, how do they recruit patients? It's very hard. The patient lists are small. Reaching patients' addresses are not accurate. Well, here they were able with the web, 671 respondents. Of responses, 86% were from the U.S., 14% were international, but the main source of information of getting referrals was Facebook. Okay, over 84% of all responses, all patients that got into the study came off the web, came through social media. So it's very important to realize the capability of improving our knowledge and improving patient care. This article by Kollowitz, same thing. You can enhance potentially clinical outcomes through improved communications. The ability of providers to more effectively and directly and rapidly communicate amongst themselves as well as with others should strengthen collaboration. This new virus going around that was found in Saudi Arabia, so much of the information I'm receiving and reading is through web communications. If you want to read it in a journal, it's going to take a year from now. We need to know the information now. Can social media be a problem in managing patients with certain uncommon diseases where therapy is limited or controversial? There is a challenge because often when you look carefully, the bulk of the observed contributions were not based on scientific results, but on various social media sources. And again, the unprofessionalism or just people meaning to be well or do well often is not, is, you know, I heard this treatment or I heard that. That's not science and that's not what's going to happen. And often there's a group of a few people who really become very, very verbal. There is considerable concern that patients can be easily misguided by pseudoscientific research and debate. So again, this whole ability of using the web, of using social media for reaching patients and providing information is great, but you need to be aware is you may not be the only source. It's one thing when information comes from Stanford or Hopkins or Mayo or NYU or a number of great places, but when it comes from, you know, the Smith Hospital or the uh, uh, Jones Hospital or uh, ABC Hospital, you really have to worry. Now, we could also ask the question, can social media can be used to expand our clinical practice and our academic potential? Well, for radiology, the answer probably is yes. Rad Info with telling patients why virtual colonoscopy works. What's the truth about lung cancer screening? What's the truth about mammography screening? We talk about the importance of patient safety initiatives. Image Wisely, Image Gently are two of them, but we're able to tell patients precisely of what we're doing and how we're really going after improving their care. Article by Mandeville, social media offers a rapid avenue of communication with the public and has potential benefits for communicable disease control and surveillance. And again, we worry about confidentiality, but the opportunities are something we just can't throw away offhand. You look at some of the results, the World Health Organization, CDC, Health Protection Agency, all have Twitter accounts, Facebook pages, and video on YouTube. They found that this is one of the best ways of being able to educate patients, particularly in emergencies where information needs to be done very quickly. Uh, Merchant makes the point that we can use social media into emergency preparedness efforts. 
The effectiveness of public health emergency systems relies on routine attention to preparedness, agility, and responding to daily stresses and catastrophes, and the resilience that promotes rapid recovery. Social media can enhance each of these important factors and efforts. That same article talking about how social media was used in events like the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, flash floods in Australia, earthquake in New Zealand, and this allowed mental and medical help and health services to get in the right place. You can really understand what's going on by connecting with the people who are at the front lines. Now again, the challenge is always what's the truth? There always is someone who has to be a wise guy and, you know, create information that's not true in any disaster and sometimes you know when you're not venting the information you can confuse you know the truth with the non-truth so it is somewhat of a challenge now i mentioned before about the idea of rethinking education and again how can we use these new platforms how can we develop different ways of doing things and again the fact you're listening to this lecture was something that now would have not happened before and the fact is if it would have happened you would have listened to it on a cassette that was recorded about a year ago so this is going to be recorded in about three weeks from the time you hear it so it's really up to date now again the uh, thing my daughter always reminds me is that with social media, errors are magnified and last forever. Again, you want to be very careful. In the study of physicians and medical students on Twitter, they observed uh, this article by Byronoff, potential breaches of medical ethics. People described patients, took pictures of patients. Again, you have to understand there's certain guidelines. you got to be thinking. I know in the excitement of seeing a case, a medical student may want to share information, but they cannot share information. And if they don't know what it means to have privacy rules, they should not be allowed to be posting things. And that's probably good advice. Till you have more experience, do not be posting information until you really understand what HIPAA means. And again, this article by Van Mullen, social media used by clinicians is widespread, especially younger clinicians for personal and reference purposes. Awareness and interest is evidence across multiple disciplines. And again, everyone's concerned about use and misuse. So again, we need to have a little bit better rules. Perhaps further studies are necessary to characterize use better, define training requirements, and discover what, if any, uses for social media will be appropriate in clinical training. But I think the answer is we need to move forward and try to answer those questions. I think the opportunity is too great to simply say no, we're staying with how we did things in the past, we're not moving forward. Article in uh, Fortune magazine about social media coming to healthcare. It's a very good read, and here's the reference. You can find it online. Despite a proliferation of apps that let people monitor every movement and morsel they eat, information technology has yet to revolutionize healthcare in the way uh, it has changed many other things, like, say, Amazon.com. However, you know. It's going to happen. I think this article does make the point. Facebook may provide its fans with tools they love, but this new wave of social networks offers tools that its users can't live without, in some cases, literally. And so healthcare is going with social media. Healthcare is going online. Again, whether it's the ACR or RSNA, Rankin Ray, whether it's radiologyinfo.com, whether it's Mayo Clinic, whether it's Medscape, whether it's CTS, 
everybody is moving forward. The key is how to design it, how to create things specific for what patients need and what physicians need. And as radiologists, again, I think it's a way of getting uh, to the patients and explaining our case. Who are we, what we do, and why we're so important. It's an opportunity that we missed for the last hundred years. Gary Glazer writes about this and spoke about this. I think social media is a way of really changing where radiology sits in the big world picture, and I think it's a way of improving patient care and hopefully improving patient outcomes. So with that, I'll stop there, and hopefully um, I provide you lots of references in this uh, this lecture and the prior lecture. If you go on to PubMed, you can download most of these articles for free. And with that, have a great day, and we'll see you on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks a lot.